Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at pjordansec. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Wiregrass Daily News Sports, the Friday edition of the show. I am your host, Phil Jordan, the in-studio host and producer for Dothan Wolves Football on 96.9, The Legend. It is Friday, so you know what that means. I am going to be joined by Matt Lowe from Field Level Media. We're going to pick all the big SEC games, Southeast games, Florida State, too, as well. we got a non-Southeastern game we're going to pick. And actually, we're going to jump to two NFL games, two I think you'll be interested in to hear our thoughts and predictions on. But before we get into Matt, I want to talk about stuff that happened on Thursday night. All right, let's start things off with Enterprise defeating Opelika 28 to 14 on Thursday night. Uh, this puts Enterprise at six and two, four and two in region play. Opelika drops to four and five, four and three. Huge win for Enterprise. Now you have them and Dustin with two losses and more than likely, Auburn's probably going to lose to Central, just how good Central is. Auburn's a good team, but Central's just on a different level this season. So you could be looking at going into next week, three teams with two losses in region play. And Dothan will play Opelika next week. So for Opelika, it will be definitely be a playoff game because if they lose that game, that's their final game of the season, that will be it. That will be four losses. So they'll be a desperate team uh, when Dothan goes up to Opelika next week. But in this game, it was a scoreless first quarter until quarterback Roman Gagliano ran in a touchdown to go up 7-0 early there in the second quarter. That is the quarterback for Opelika. But right after that, Enterprise took over. Uh, Keon Dunlap, who had 143 yards and three touchdowns in the game, took a handoff, 45 yards on the next drive for a touchdown. And then he scored another touchdown with 423 left in the half on a 29-yard run. That put Enterprise up 14-7. to Enterprise defense played tremendous the entire evening against the team. And Roman Gagliano is one of the better quarterbacks you're going to see in 7A. And then to close out the half, Dunlap scored once again with 33 seconds left to put Enterprise up 21-7. to Opelika got down the field a little bit. Uh, a penalty helped, and they tried to kick a field goal before half, but it did not work out for them. In the second half, Opelika did get within 21-14, to 14, and then Enterprise went for it on a fourth and second on its own 30 there in the third quarter, and it failed, and then Opelika got the ball on the 26. But once again, the Enterprise defense held tough in this situation and was able to keep Opelika from getting into the end zone and making it 21-14. to 14. And this is when I say Enterprise had a championship-level drive. This is what playoff teams do. This is what really good teams do. They closed the game on a drive that went over six minutes. 
Opelika did not get the ball back to 131 left in the game, and this was after quarterback Eric Winter scored on a five-yard run to go up 28-14. Pretty much sealed the deal on the game. It was a 13-play, 76-yard drive where Enterprise just chewed up a lot of clock. You were probably thinking that time Opelika was, we punted the ball, we get the ball back, plenty of time, we can go down there, tie the game, but no. Enterprise takes it all the way down the field, and they close the deal to win 28-14. to 14. Once again, big win for Enterprise here, getting the win, and now they look ahead uh, to their next upcoming games, but big win for them. Uh, and then, like I said, Opelika and Dothan will play next week. Uh, we did have some college football last night on Thursday. Uh, James Madison defeated Marshall 20-9 to to go to 7-0 and on the season. Uh, Marshall drops four and three quarterback Jordan McLeod had 264 yards one touchdown did throw one interception and he was 21 to 31 and he also had 69 rushing yards and one touchdown the James Madison defense held Marshall to minus four yards rushing so James Madison is probably the best team in the Sun Belt but here's the problem this is year two of their transition period going from FCS to FBS and they cannot play in a bowl game or a postseason play. I think that's messed up, but that's the way it is. Uh, so Georgia State is still leading over there in the west east side of the Sun Belt. Of course, Troy is leading over there on the west. So we'll see kind of how it all shakes out. But yeah, James Madison cannot go. Uh, the only way James Madison can get in the postseason is if there's not enough bowl eligible teams and then they can get in. The same thing goes for Jacksonville State because uh, they put up on their social media after they went on Tuesday night. Tuesday night football, you got to love it. Overtime win against Western Kentucky that they were bowl eligible, yes and no. Again, if there's not enough bowls with teams, they can go. But if not, they're in the same situation. This is year one of their transition. So they'll have to do this for another year next year. All right, jumping back over to high school football, the schedule for tonight. Like I said, Dothan is off, so no Dothan Wolves tonight on 96.9 The Legend. So let's look at 5A Region 2. 3 and 4 Carroll will be at 1 and 6 Greenville. 5 and 3 Ufala will be at 4 and 3 Rehoboth Ufala. Still trying to clinch the region title, but Headland is also playing at Charles Henderson. So that's another game to watch out for. Headland 6 and 1. Charles Henderson is 4 and 3. In 4A Region 2, Booker T. Washington 5-2 will be at 8-0 Andalusia. 3-5 Bullet County will be at 2-6 Geneva. 3-5 Dale County will be at 8-0 Catholic Montgomery. And 1-6 Slocum will be at 2-6 Montgomery Academy. 3A Region 2, New Broughton 1-6 will be at Ashford 3-4. Ashford is still in the playoff hunt. When you look at their schedule, what they have, they have games where they can win coming up. Watch out for Ashford. Three and four op will be at six and one Houston Academy, and then five and two Providence Christian will be at two and six Delville, and then a two A Region two Abbeville one and seven will be at five and two GW Long Cottonwood at six and zero, oh, looking ahead to clinching two A Region two. They're six and zero oh, overall. They'll be at four and four Zion Chapel. Zero oh and seven Geneva County will be at one and six Sampson. Four and three Whitsburg will be at four and four Ayrton. Then 2A Region 3, 6-2 Goshen will be at 3-5 and five Lynette. And in 1A Region 2, you'll have 3-4 Brantley at 1-6 Pleasant Home. And then you also have Elba 7-0 at 6-1 Florala. And 2-5 and Kenston at 4-3 and McKenzie. And then AISA 
One and seven, Abigail Christian will be at 0 and 8, making East. All right, real quick before I bring Matt Lowe on and we jump into all the college football games we're going to pick and preview for the weekend. Also, on Thursday night in the National Football League, Jacksonville Jaguars defeated New Orleans 31 to 24. New Orleans was bad in the red zone. This has been a trend for them all year long. Uh, they were two of five in the red zone. It was 17 to nine Jacksonville at halftime. And also, they've got some turnovers, a uh, fumble and a Bad punt situation from Jacksonville. Opportunities, but they just could not put them in the end zone. And then in the second half, Jacksonville does take a 24-9 to lead. About 6.47 left in the third. You're thinking, okay, this game is pretty much gone. Um, as we've seen, New Orleans can't put an end zone. Well, New Orleans offense picked up a little bit. That was a Olacon from Jacksonville. Had a interception off a tip to go in the end zone. That's how they won at 24-9. But then the New Orleans offense picked up. They quickly got down the field, got within 24-16. We saw Michael Thomas making an appearance. This is a guy that a few years ago was NFL Offensive Player of the Year. So they go up 24. They get within 24-16. They ended up tying it. It's 24-24. And Alvin Kamara, a two-point conversion is what tied the game up. But the Trevor Lawrence found Christian Kirk for a 44-yard touchdown to go up. 31 to 24 with 308 left in the game. He says, okay, Derek Carr's got plenty of time to get out of the field. And they did. They got inside the five. On third down, he had an open tight end and Foster Moreau dropped at point blank drop. He was open in the back of the end zone. All he had to do was bring it in. As Kurt Herstreet said on the broadcast, not one play will win or lose a game, but it's hard to look at that and not think that in that situation. And who knows what New Orleans would have done when they went for two or where they kicked extra point and played for overtime. Then I hate it when teams do this at the end of the games, fourth down, a fade, the Chris Olave, he had no shot at it. And I get, you want to get to your best receiver, but come up with something better than that. And then New Orleans loses. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was 20 to 29 for two four, one touchdown. Uh, he had 59 yards on the ground. So that leg looked pretty good on Thursday night. And two touchdowns by Travis Etienne on the ground. Uh, Christian Kirk, like I said, had to go ahead touchdown with 308 left. And Derek Carr was 33-55 for 301. Uh, one touchdown, one interception. And it looked like he may have injured his groin toward the end there. Uh, there in the second half. We'll see what's going to go down with that. But now with New Orleans, they dropped to three and four. But in their division, they're still in it. But they got to get some stuff situ- situated, especially with their red zone efficiency. And then Jacksonville goes to five and two and pretty much looks like the class of the AFC South. All right, guys, now we're going to play my conversation. I have with Matt Lowe as we do every Friday picking and preview the weekend of college football games. Just let you guys know we did this early on Thursday evening. Just kind of let you know the time when we did this recording. But anyways, I hope you enjoy it. Everybody, as promised, at the top of the show, and it's Friday. You know what we do on Friday. I'm joined by Matt Lowe from PhilLoveMedia.com. If you're watching it on YouTube, you see it on the screen uh, where he writes. But, uh, Matt, it's another Friday. I can't believe we're going into week eight of the college football season. Yeah, it's going by quick, like it always does. Um, last week, there were some good games, uh, really starting to see who's pretty good and who's not um once again though philip here it comes into play with coaches making decisions about not kicking field goals and going for it on fourth down uh i'm looking at you dan lanning i mean 
I, for the life of me, you're in a top 10 game, potentially with a ball game that could put you in the college football playoff. You know, fourth and inches is one thing. Fourth mm-hmm. and two, three, that's different. But if that guy would have kicked the two field goals, the one for the, for the half, and I think the one in the third quarter, they would have been up by 10 points. Mm-hmm. And then Washington would have scored, and they still would have been up by three points. So they lose by three points. I mean, I, I just, for the life of me, do not understand it, Philip. And, and it's – once again, it goes back to common sense. I mean, you know – I just, I just, I just don't understand. And that was one thing that really caught my eye last week. And of course, Brock Bowers getting hurt. That's a big blow for Georgia. I, I, I thought Bowers should be a shoe in to be a Heisman candidate for what he means to his team. Uh, and, you know, big win by Tennessee last week. So a lot more good games coming up this week too. Yeah, that's some big ones. And the Brock Bowers thing, I want interested interesting how they handle that because Oscar Delp will now slide into the number one tight end role. But uh Carson Beck's going to find some new some new safety valves, some new guys to lean on in the office. Cause you know, just kind of dating back when you look back at the Auburn game, whenever things got tough second half, who they go to? Brock Bowers. That was the go to guy. So I am kind of gonna be curious how the Georgia offense handles Brock Bowers not being there. They're super talented, great players all over the field, but Brock Bowers is different. And you could tell their offense was really centered around what he could do. Yeah, and Delp's a good player. I mean, he's a really mm-hmm. good player. So, I mean, but he, <laughs> there's only one Brock Bowers. He's one of the better players that I've ever seen as far as what he does and and just how the, the plays that he makes in crunch time. That's, that's going to be a big loss for Georgia. We'll see how they – how they navigate that moving forward. I mean, I, I think they'll lean on the running game a little bit more, try to maybe use some guys out of the backfield a little bit more. And Carson Beck's playing good football, though. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He, he's been impressive. Really impressive. Like against Auburn, it's a clutch performance on the road. Uh, he had to make some plays, and he did so. Uh, so, week eight, we have some interesting games. We're actually going to start things off with a non-SEC game, a non-Southeast game, which is usually where we, where we live at here on the show. Penn State and Ohio State, number three, number six, big matchup. It'll be on Fox, 11 a.m., starting the day off early with a really big game like this. Uh, but you know, I look at it, Penn State's got good numbers, but they haven't really played anybody this season yet. They have not been challenged. We know Ohio State played Notre Dame. Uh, best pass defense nationally is Penn State. Uh, they're number two in college football sacks. Great defense. Drew Allers played well. But as I said, Ohio State's tested. Uh, what comes to mind uh, to you for this matchup? Well, I think this is going to be an old-fashioned snobber knocker, man. I think this is going to be a defensive game. Uh, they both play really good defense. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you how Penn State's not played anybody, but that's not the player's fault. They got a uh, – Ohio State's pretty banged up at the skill spots. I mean, their top three runners didn't play last week, and so they had to turn to Dallin Hayden, who ran for 76 yards. Travion Henderson has missed the last two games for them, and he's an outstanding running back. And Ibuke, the, the other receiver, he's he's questionable, which if he's unable to go, I would think Penn State would probably double Harrison because he's so dynamic. Uh you know, I, I don't know if either one of these quarterbacks have really played in a game of this magnitude. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. But both of them have been really productive at, at, at throwing the ball. I mean, limiting turnovers. So uh, I, I think the injury report's huge for Ohio State. And and I'll tell you, there's one guy on their defense to watch is number 35, the linebacker, Tommy Ockenberg. That dude's a heat-sinking missile. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. Uh, I, this is a tough one to call, Philip. I don't think I don't think Penn State's won in Ohio State since 2011. But I like Penn while. State to go in there and pull the upset. I, I do. I, for, I just think with the injuries that Ohio State has on offense right now, I think Penn State's a little healthier, and I'm gonna go with them. If anything, it might be a field goal game. So we're gonna kick things off going opposite here on the show this week. Uh, I'm going to go Ohio State. I, and the reason my thing is, I think these are evenly matched. I think it's going to be a rock fight. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't think we're going to see a lot of points being scored. But I'm going to give Ohio State the edge because, one, they're at home. And number two, the Notre Dame game. They've been tested. In a tough game at the end, we've seen Kyle McCord step up. I don't know how Drew Aller is going to respond uh, in that situation. So I'm going to – a lot of times when I pick games, I go with what I know and what I've seen. I know I've seen Ohio State deliver when they had to in this moment. I don't know that about Penn State. And like you said, Penn State has had teams we thought were going to be really good, but then they meet up with Ohio State Michigan and then it not go their way. So, James Franklin, Franklin showed me something. Showed me a little something. But I'm going to go with Ohio State uh, to win that one. Yeah, and I mean, the running combination of Caden – uh, Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton for Penn State is pretty dynamic. Those are pretty mm. good running backs. And uh, heck, I think I had a pretty good a week last week picking for the first time in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I got to go back and uh, better do a better job keeping up with what we're doing every week. Uh, I keep saying every week I'm going to get better at that. We'll, we'll, uh, we will do it next week, I promise. So uh, let's jump into the SEC. Mississippi State, 3-3, three and 0-3. Three, oh they did not play last week. Uh, they will be at Arkansas, 2-5, and 0-4 in SEC play. They have lost five straight games. They've been in four of those five games. The A&M game was, was out of reach for them at the end. I mean, they almost came back on Alabama. We, we know the story. They can't run the ball. KJ is under pressure all the time, but they, they were tough, and they tried to come back. 11 a.m. kickoff ESPN. Arkansas is a six-point favorite. The over-under is 48-and-a-half, and I – I think going this game, it's hard to pick it. We don't know the status of Will Rogers. He got hurt the last time we watched him play, and he hurt his shoulder. If he doesn't play, I don't think Mississippi State's got a shot at this because their offense is centered around Will Rogers. They run best when he's just throwing the ball all over the place. If Mike Wright's playing a quarterback, that changes the offense for Mississippi State. I, you know, Just because I don't know that, I'm just going with Arkansas to win this one. Yeah, and, and once again, I mean, Arkansas, I mean, they've been close. I mean, they, they played LSU tight, should have beat BYU. I mean, played Ole Miss tight. So, I mean, I, I like Arkansas here, and I think they'll win pretty comfortably. I don't think Mississippi State's that good. I don't either. I think, you know, before the season, a lot of the media got flack for picking them last. Some people, a lot of people didn't actually pick the Auburn six. I think we're seeing why now. Look, they'll play in a few weeks and we'll find out who, I guess, who's the worst team in the SEC West is uh, with Auburn and Mississippi State. But it's just, I, I think changing the offense was a mistake. Going away from air raid was a mistake, in my opinion. I totally agree with that. And, and look, man, Zach Arnett's never been a head coach. I mm-hmm. mean, so. 
it's 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 different when you're in that pilot seat, man. I mean, when you're when you're the top dog and, and you got to make the decisions. And I mean, I I think Will Rogers is an NFL player. I I, I do. And you know, if he can't play in this game, I, I think they'll be behind the eight ball. Yeah, we've got another game down the road. Uh, we're going to talk about that a quarterback may or may not play. We got a little bit better answer about it, but we'll get to that in a second. That's an ACC matchup, but we'll get to that game in a few moments. Uh, the big game, uh, Tennessee at Alabama. This is 2.30 on CBS. Alabama's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 49. Tennessee's 5-1, and 2-1 and one in SEC play. Alabama 6-1, and 4-0 no in SEC play. You watch Tennessee play now. They're not what they were last year. They're not as explosive, but they can run the ball. They're the best rushing team in the SEC. And defensively, they'll get after you. Last week against Texas A&M, this stat comes from PFF. They pressured Max Johnson 25 out of the 39 times he dropped back. Offense line gave up 11 quarterback hits. What's Alabama's weakness offensively? Pass protection. This might be enough. We talked about Penn State, Ohio State being a rock fight. Alabama, Tennessee might be a rock fight. I totally agree with you. And I tell you what, Jalen Wright's a really good running back for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy, he sets up the holes and that that there's there's an art to that. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was really good with the Steelers at setting up his blocks. I mean, and there's and being patient. He's that kind of a runner. I'm not saying he's Le'Veon Bell, but he's that kind of runner as way he sets up. You know when he runs the ball and sets up his block. So, I, dude, I totally agree with you, man. I was I watched that game from pretty much start to finish, and they did. They were on Max uh, Max Johnson like white on rice, man. They were all mm-hmm. over that guy, and I was really impressed with their pass rush. And and maybe Texas A&M's offensive line isn't that great, but I think they're a pretty good offensive line. So, Joe Joe Milton. You know, big games, he's interception prone. And I, there's one thing watching that game last week. Joe Milton, he if he'd have kept the ball on, on the zone read a couple of times, he'd have, he'd have ran for about 20 or 30 yards. Mm-hmm. So I, I would look for them to try to do that a little bit more against Alabama. Uh, but you look at Milton's stats last week, 11 of 22 for 100 yards. I mean, I, and I granted, Texas A&M defense pretty good, but that ain't gonna that ain't gonna cut it against really good teams, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But uh far as Bama goes, they're playing really good defense. I thought they kind of let Arkansas back in the game last week, didn't really put them away. Kobe Prentice was a little bit more involved in the passing game. Jalen Miro looks really good now, uh passing the ball. But like you said, if he's under the gun the whole game, will he will that affect him? And that's that's the one thing – that's the million-dollar question here in this game, in my opinion. Uh, I like Jam Miller at running back there. I, I, I said it last week. I think they need to try some new guys to see if they can get a home run hitter. And mm-hmm. he averaged 10 yards a carry. So, uh, this is a tough one to call. I, I think I, uh, D. Miller, the punt returner for Tennessee, he, he flipped that game on that punt return last week. He did. He did. And, and – and that could that could come into play this week. I, I'm a big believer in special teams and big games. I mean, I think Alabama's kicking country. Uh, I, I think Alabama wins by a field goal or three to four points. I mean, I think this is going to be a tight game. But I will say this: if Joe Milton throws two or three interceptions, it could get ugly for Tennessee. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm going Alabama too. And 
it's interesting too. And earlier in the week, I talked to uh, Tony Sakalas, who covers Alabama. He's managing editor for Tide Illustrated, and I brought up a point. Remember the Florida game? What did Florida do against Tennessee? They ran the ball on them. Alabama run yep. the ball. You've got the backs. Do it because I do believe in the second half against Arkansas. After they got up twenty four to six, I feel like Alabama got away from the run a little bit uh, there was a stretch in the game Jalen Milrow was one of nine versus Arkansas and what what happens when the ball hits the ground on a passing completion the clock stops gives the other team chances to get back the Alabama needs to focus on a run with Rodell Williams Jason McKellen you talk about Jam Miller get Justice Haynes in there put Milrow in the run game run the ball against Tennessee I think that's a great avenue for success on Saturday yeah, and sure. And when you're running the ball, the guys aren't running after your quarterback. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, I mean, because like I said, ten- Tennessee's defense really impressed me last week. Yeah, and you know, and the thing is, too, when you run the ball, that's going to open up play action because that's going to bring the safety up. And yes. what does Milrow do the best? Throw in the deep ball. Man, his intermediate game still needs some work at times, but man, his deep ball is is a thing of beauty. Yeah, he, he really does throw a good deep ball. I mean, and that's – if you can do that, I mean, if you can do that and be successful at it, it, it makes your offense that much more dangerous. And I do think Prentice needs to be more involved in the offense because Jermaine Burton – Jermaine Burton's a good player, but Prentice is he's, – he's a weapon. He's, he's fast. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um Next game, another game at 2.30. We've got South Carolina 2-4, and 1-3. and three. We'll be playing number 20 Missouri, who's 6-1, and 2-1 and one in the SEC. 2.30, like I said, SEC Network. Missouri's a seven-point favorite. The over-under is 60 in this one. I think a lot of people are expecting some points in this one, and that's basically what South Carolina's going to do. South Carolina's got the worst defense in the conference. I mean, it's about Spencer Rattler throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, with Xavier Leggett, who's one of the best receivers in the SEC, third with 716 yards receiving. South Carolina's got to get in a shootout again. I mean, I don't think the season is going how South Carolina thought it would. I think it's kind of a must win. They've got to win here. you got to pull an upset. Because like I think I said this last week, I'm kind of starting to see with South Carolina, I'm, I'm starting to see a hard time finding six wins now. And Missouri's playing great ball. And look, that defense is bad. What do you think, Brady Cook? Schrader and Luther Burden's going to do that South Carolina defense. Yeah, and Missouri, they showed a lot of uh, resiliency last week. They got down 14 to nothing. And it's like I was talking to you about last week, you know, coming off that LSU loss where they went toe-to-toe with them until the very end of the game. And then mm-hmm. it just fell apart. Uh, which, LSU, if you can go toe-to-toe offensively with LSU, you you got a good offense. Uh, so, and Missouri outscored Kentucky 21 to seven in the second half. So that's pretty impressive on the road. Uh, Brady Cook's playing really well. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I just, South Carolina, I can't trust them. Like I told you last week, I can't trust them. They're two up and down. They have played a pretty difficult schedule. I will say that, uh, let's see here. Jaheen Bell was more involved in the offense. He's a South Carolina tra- – excuse me, that's FSU. But I, 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 uh, I'm i going to go with Missouri pretty big here. I like Missouri by two touchdowns. Yeah, I, f- I feel like South Carolina's probably going to put up some points, but they're just not going to stop them. And that's just going to hurt them in that one. Um, next up, 
Ole Miss at Auburn. Uh, this is a 6 o'clock p.m. kickoff over on ESPN. Ole Miss is a 6.5-point favorite. The over-under is 56.5 points. Ole Miss is 5-1, 2-1 SEC play. Auburn is 3-3, 0-3 in SEC play. Matt, I, I fully believe this, that this game is only in prime time because of the two head coaches. Because Hugh Freeze used to coach Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, look, we talked about this a ton like every week last week. It felt like we talked about Lane Kiffin to Auburn. And a lot of people believe Lane Kiffin was very, very close to going to Auburn. So I have a feeling he's going to see – I'm sure he'll receive a warm reception from the Auburn faithful on Saturday night. But uh, Auburn's going to have a bounce back. It's going to be tough against Ole Miss in that run game. But uh, just what are your thoughts on Ole Miss and Auburn? Well, Auburn's a tough place to play at night. Always yeah. has been, always will be. Uh, so, last week, I, I was – for Auburn's side, uh, Brandon Frazier, here's a guy who's six foot seven. I've wondered for the last couple of years why this guy has never been thrown the football. I mean, you got a guy that big and tall. I mean, he made that one good catch for – I mean, all you got to do is just get it in the vicinity. And, he, you know, guys that big can – Catch the ball. I, I'm interested to see what Auburn does at quarterback here. I mean, because Peyton Thorne, for whatever whatever it is, I don't know if he's not comfortable in the system or, or what, but he just doesn't make quick decisions. Mm-mm. I mean, like, you, you got to put the ball on a guy right before he breaks, especially in the SEC, or it's going to get picked off. And it just seems like when the guys are breaking, he's not throwing the ball, and therefore they get covered, and then he doesn't know what to do. So it's – I don't – I mean, I don't know. I, I think they need to make a move there. I think Asher gives them the best chance to win. That's just my opinion. And if Asher can't get it done, put somebody else in. I mean, you know, I, I think they need to get that that position solved, especially moving forward and especially for next year. You know, so whether it's Ashford, Grenier, I mean, I, I don't know. I know they signed a freshman quarterback. Uh, and I also think Jeremiah Cobb needs to get the football more. That kid's yeah. a, a pretty dynamic player. I don't know what's happened to Jarquez Hunter. Uh, you saw last week a couple of times the, the center made some bad decisions snapping the ball. Uh, they just – Auburn just kind of a mess on offense right now. I think the defense, they played hard. The secondaries – Played well. They don't have a pass rusher. Uh, Ole Miss, this style of play, I mean, we saw it last year, last week with LSU. Auburn just couldn't hang with them, you know, and, and they just – but I, I – Jackson Dart's playing well. Quinshawn Jutkins really getting into a rhythm running the football. I think this is going to be a, a decent game, though. I don't see Ole Miss routing Auburn in Auburn at night. So I, I think that line's about right. I think Ole Miss probably wins by a touchdown, maybe maybe eight eight nine points. You know, there's a part of me that wants to say Auburn. Just the the atmosphere. Hugh Freeze going up against Ole Miss. I mean, I know he did it at Liberty, but it's different with Auburn and just the whole stuff. The energy's going to be there because of the Lane Kiffin stuff from last year. I, I, I'm leaning Ole Miss. I think I, I think you're right. It's going to be close game. But I want to throw something at you about Auburn with you, Matt. I wonder. And I brought this up to somebody this week. I wonder if Hugh Freeze was being hard-headed because we know he wants to throw the ball. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's always done at Ole Miss and Liberty. But Auburn's strength on offense should be their run game. Robbie Ashford, the read option run game, the RPOs, and then with Jarquez Hunter, 
Brian Petit, you get Demari Austin back, which he was in the non-contact jersey this week. So maybe he's getting closer to coming back. You bring up Jeremiah Cobb. I think Hugh Freeze needs to lean more on that. I think they need to go back to the offense they ran when Cadillac took over as head coach in the last four games of last year. That seemed to work against everybody. But I feel like Hugh Freeze is being a little hard-headed. He wants to run what he wants to run, which most coaches are that way. We know that. But I just feel like that's kind of an issue they're having right now. Like he, he wants them to be this one thing, but the talent's just not there to be that. No, and when you have a quarterback that's indecisive making decisions, it's it's not working, you know. And and I, Auburn had so much success against Georgia on the perimeter, you know, and, and it, it seems like they haven't been doing that, you know, last game. I mean, and I so ends that they have, the, the size that they have, I would think hitting that perimeter would be the best option, and. And they did it well against Georgia, you know. And, I mean, zone reading up the middle against LSU, those big boys they got in the middle and Georgia, it's it, not going to work. It just doesn't work. And, I mean, I see teams all across the country, they run these zone reads and it's really slow developing and they just run it up the middle and boom, they just get stuffed. I mean, so Keontae Scott, I think, is coming back maybe this week for them. Uh, that would be a big get back. You know, he's a, he's a he's their punt returner and really good defensive back. So, but yeah, I, you just as as a, somebody watching Auburn uh, and probably fans of Auburn, you want to see some positivity. You want to see some momentum with the offense, and it seems like they've gone backwards. Yeah, it does. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe uh, maybe Hugh Freeze got something special for his former team. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes on Saturday night. So that's the last SEC game. We're not going to pick LSU and Army guys. We all kind of feel like we know where that one's going to go. So now we're going to jump to the ACC for the last college football game we're going to pick. We got two NFL games we're also going to talk about here to close up. But Duke at Florida State. This will be at 630 on ABC, Florida State's a 14-point favorite. The over-under is 49 points. Duke 5-1, 2-0 in ACC play. Florida State 6-0, 4-0 in SEC, ACC play. I, got, I said SEC so many times. Uh, I wanted to say it again. ACC play. Florida State is not in the SEC as of this moment. Uh, but anyways, uh, I think the big question, you know, I talked about it earlier. I kind of teased this earlier. We were talking about Will Rogers, Mississippi State. It all comes down to is Riley Leonard going to play? Now, Mike Elko said there's a chance this week, and he he was a participant in practice this week. So that's kind of the big thing with this game. Does Riley Leonard play? Yeah, and heck, I messed up by calling Jaheim Bell. He played so long for South Carolina. I was like, I don't know what I was thinking there, but he plays for FSU now. But, yeah, I mean, because Henry Bale in the fourth, he was four of twelve last week for 107 yards, two TDs, and one interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ain't gonna beat Florida State throwing 12 passes, completing four passes. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not just gonna do it. Jordan Waters, he's a really good running back. He's one of the better running backs in in in, in the uh, ACC. But yeah, that's huge for Duke. I mean, and that he looked Leonard looked like he got hurt pretty good. You know, against mm-hmm. Notre Dame, that that didn't look like a just a rolled ankle or something like that. And I've had sprained ankles before, and those things are tough to get over, man. They, it takes a little while to get over them. But uh, I just think FSU. I think this if Leonard plays, I think this line's a little big. 
I think if Leonard plays and he's healthy, I think Duke can hang with him. But if he doesn't play, I think this is a, a cakewalk for FSU. And Jaheen Bell, the tight end, South Carolina transfer, he's been a little bit more involved in the offense. And he's a good player, a really good player. And Keon Coleman, dynamic wide receiver, and he's really posting big numbers. So I think FSU would be too much for him if, if Leonard can't play. Yeah, and I saw Mike Norville also said this week, uh, Johnny Wilson, they're believing he would be playing against Duke too as well. So you got the two receivers with Wilson and Coleman, and as you mean, Jaheim Bell, Trey Benson at running back, Jordan Travis. But, you know, the best shot for Duke is going to be their defense because they only allow 9.8 points per game. That's number one ACC by far. Florida State's the next team at 18.3. Their defense is great, allowing under 300 yards a game. So – Whatever happens, I mean, this is going to be the ultimate challenge for their defense going up against all that talent. And, you know, Florida State's no slouch defensively either. So, yeah, I, I'm going with Florida State too. I think Florida State wins this game because, you know, you got to wonder too if Riley Leonard plays, how mobile will it be? Because a big part of his game is running. I mean, he's their second leading rusher. I mean, this yeah. is the number one rush team in the ACC with Duke, but a lot of that is because of what he was doing on the ground before he got hurt against Notre Dame. So if he's not able to run, I think that that's going to limit them. Yeah, and I will say this. Duke, I think Mike Elko should be in the running for coach of the year. I mean, I really do. I mean, what he's done with that program, they play hard, and, and they're going to hit you. I mean, and their defense swarms to the ball, man, and they, they hit. So, Florida State, if they're overlooking these guys, they might get a rude awakening. But I, I don't, I don't think, it, I don't think Duke can beat them without Leonard. Yeah, I don't either, Matt. Don't you remember a time when we were never talking about Duke football, and now uh, the last two head coaches have made it where we talk Duke football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's it's 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 good, man. I mean, I, you know, when you're a fan of a team, I mean. You know, and your team sucks all the time. It's not fun, you know. I mean, and when you, when they're finally good, it's awesome, you know. And that's what being a true fan is about. I mean, uh, so you got to stick with your team, man, no matter what. There's hope for you, Vanderbilt fans. Just remember that there is hope. Uh, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. All right, let's jump to two NFL games we're going to pick here. And, uh, and, Matt, you've alluded to this time every time we've had you all this year. Uh, they, uh, you also covered the Falcons for field level media. And I was actually wanting to like go through all the Southeast teams. While I, was, I was looking at it. The Titans are off. Uh, the Titans and Jaguars are playing on Thursday night. Of course, this airs on Friday. And we recorded this before that. Just let y'all guys know. So we can't talk about that one. Uh, I believe the Panthers are off. So we're going to talk Falcons and Bucks. We got another game, though. We got another game we'll talk about. And I just want to ask you one thing about the Atlanta Falcons. What on anybody's analytical sheet of paper says when you're down 14 to 10, you score a touchdown with 14 minutes left and you go for two? Phil, you know, I I have no – look, I'm I'm always a loss for words. I mean, I was – what do you – and you go for two and you don't use the number eight pick in the draft who you drafted. So mm-hmm. not, nothing against Tyler Algier. He's a good running back, man. But the decision not to take the extra point just blew my mind. And then earlier in the game, they go up seven to three in the second quarter. And they're about midfield on fourth and three in Washington territory. And he goes for it there. They don't get it. Washington marches right down the field. 
scores a touchdown. I mean, and, and this guy's done this a, a good bit. He did it last year. And look, man, I, I'm, I'm to the point with this analytics thing. It pops up on the ESPN icon now. The analytics said that I'm to the. I'm going to take that analytics book and I'm going to drop it in the middle. I mean, because all it is, it's stupid, period. And I do not, for the life of me, understand that, like Dan Lanning. I mean, you lost your team, you're playing for a potential playoff berth, man. And you don't take points and it costs you. That's how, how you lost the game. I just, it, I do not understand. And after that play, here Atlanta is, they drove down, you get a little bit more pressure on you, and then you have to go for two if you get down there, which they throw an interception in the end zone, which I don't know, man. I, I If I'm a general manager and I watch that game as a coach, I'd, I'd be like, man, if this, I don't know, I don't know. I probably, I'm, I might fire somebody for that because it's inexcusable for me. Yeah, I was I was watching. I thought, like, "What are you doing?" I, I I think I may have yelled. I, I may have yelled as I was watching. And look, I'm not a Falcons fan. I'm just like out watching ball. I just didn't understand that uh, that moment. So they are playing at Tampa Bay this Sunday. Uh, Atlanta's three and three. Uh, just for everybody know, they're zero and two on the road this season. They're playing three and two Tampa Bay, who's coming off a loss against Detroit Lions. Did not look good in that game, losing twenty to six. With credit to Detroit, they're, they played great defense. Uh, Twelve o'clock on Fox. Tampa Bay is two and a half point favorite over under 38. So not a lot of points being expected uh, between these two. And, and really, Atlanta's good defensively, but man, Desmond Ritter has got to pull back on the turnovers. I mean, he had three second half interceptions in that one. Uh, two weeks ago, he had two interceptions against Jacksonville. He lost that one 23 to seven. I mean, he, he's shown signs of, I think, wanting to take another step with the games he had, but the turnovers, he, he got to pull back on that. Yeah, you do. And, I mean, it, he's only made, what, 10 starts in the NFL. So, I mean, that's yeah. going to happen. Uh, yeah. To me, that's some of the coaching, too, though, because you've built your team around running the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, about every game Atlanta plays in is 21-17 to 17 game, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it seems like here the last two weeks, Arthur Smith tried to open it up, which, man, they got a lot of weapons, you know. But uh, you built your team to run the ball in the last couple of weeks. You've been airing it out. So it's kind of contradicting itself. I mean, so both teams are healthy though. Uh, they both play good defense. I, I, 38, that's a low total, but I could see it being a 21 to 17 type of game like it has been for the last year and a half for Atlanta. So, but uh, I give the edge to Tampa Bay at home. I mean, I, I just, and the reason why I do that is because I just – Arthur Smith's decision-making puzzles me a lot. And, you know, you see it once, you see it twice, and now it's becoming a pattern. And I just – I'm going to give the edge to Tampa Bay here. Although yeah, I, I think I, I think Atlanta's got the talent to go in there and win, I mean, for sure. And, you know, I'm going to pick – I got Tampa Bay, too. I think they'll bounce back there. They're not good running the ball, though, so we'll see. But Mike Evans, Chris no. Godwin at receiver, and – and then Mike Evans, look, I said they lost 20 to six last week, and they did. And that's not up for debate, obviously. But there was a play early in that game against Detroit. I don't know if you saw it. They were backed up on their on the goal line. They had a tip pass that was intercepted by Detroit. If that ball was not tipped, he was throwing it to Mike Evans. And Mike Evans was open. Mike Evans is going to the house. And that's a completely different game. I'm just gonna say that. 
But uh, get him going. He did not have a good game either. But uh, And I'll just Ooh, say yeah. this, kind of close up on the Atlanta thing. How they're using B. John Robinson, I know he's a good pass catcher, but he has not rushed for a touchdown yet. And in three out of the last four games, he's been held under 50 yards. I kind of would like to see him feed him more, a little bit more as a running back. Why do you why do you draft a running back number eight if you're not gonna feed him ball, man? And yeah, the, the Bucks are 29th in the NFL in rushing, so they haven't been running worth the flip. And Atlanta's defense is pretty strong, so probably gonna be a low scoring game here. Yeah, and then finally, last what we're gonna do. Uh, I saw this on the schedule. I said we got to talk about this. Tua versus Jalen. I mean, that's what any SEC football fans got to be, especially Alabama fans, have got to be even paying attention to this game on Sunday night between these two. This is going to be an intriguing game. The Eagles just signed another Alabama guy. They bring in Julio. There's seven former Alabama players on this Philadelphia team. You look at the Dolphins, Tua, all the speed on the field they have. Uh, I kind of feel like we're going to, you know, I joked about the over-under here. The over-under on this one is 52. Philadelphia is a two-point favorite. It's in Philadelphia. Both teams are 5-1. and one. It'll be NBC Sunday Night Football. Uh, just uh, what's your thoughts when you hear this matchup, Tua versus Jalen? Well, Jalen's been struggling with turnovers himself. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, they got upset by the Jets last weekend. He throws a pick six for a touchdown. I mean, Miami's offense, I, a big loss – Want something to check this week is the injury list. Lane Johnson, if he's out for the Eagles, right tackle, that's a big loss. He's a really good player. Uh, the Dolphins, man, I mean, they're clicking. I think they're first in the league in rushing. I know I have Raheem Mozart on my fantasy team, and he's been blowing up. So after Devin A. Chain went down, yeah, man, a lot of speed. Uh, uh, so it, I, I don't know, man. I, I it, it's tough to win in Philadelphia. But they've had some key injuries on the defensive line. Uh, so I, I'm going to roll the Dolphins here. I think they go in there and upset them. I just think the Dolphins are playing really well right now. I do, too. I'm going to go with Miami. And I kind of was a um, Tua detractor, NFL-wise. Um, but the way he's playing this year, he keeps it's not, you know, obviously the concussion thing, we're always going to worry about that. But just the way he's playing, and look, he's on my fantasy team. He is really helping me have my 4-2 and two record so far in fantasy football. So, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's close. I think it comes down to the wire. But I think Miami finds a way. It's I, That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see the see this game because these are two of your better teams in the league, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and the Eagles, they're, they're really good at running the ball. and they, Their offensive line, like I said, that Lane, Lane Johnson injury could be big for them if he's out. Absolutely. But, I mean, and, and he's going to cover all those the receivers. I mean, Tyreek Hill. And the one thing with Tua, man, is, is like – a lot of people tend to, to knock Tua, but if he's if he gets time in the pocket, which they put some linemen around him and they got guys he can throw to, if that kid has time, he'll hit he'll hit the receiver. He's he's one of the more accurate quarterbacks I've ever seen. Yeah, when everything's on schedule, I mean he's gonna he's gonna find this guy. He's gonna get the ball out quick. I mean that, that was him in Alabama. That's yes. been him him in the pros. So, uh, Matt, for uh, let you go, uh, any final thoughts as we head into this weekend of football? Well, another another round of good games, man. We're starting to get to the nitty gritty. And uh, if y'all want to go check out the previews for uh, college football, NFL, MLB, golf, hockey, go check them out at philllevelmedia.com. My Falcon story is, is up, goes up, uh, is up there. I think it goes up on Thursday. So you go to the NFL. Uh, site it'll be up on there 
All right, everybody, go check it out. Go check out Field Field out. Oh, let me try this again. Five, four, three, two, one. Fieldlevelmedia.com. Uh, you check out Matt's work and all the other great work over there. And Matt, this has been fun and uh look forward to doing it again next week. Yeah, buddy. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Once again, thanks to Matt Lowe for coming on the show every Friday to uh, preview and predict the upcoming games this weekend. We were lower on college games we were going to talk about, so we've jumped into NFL stuff. So if you guys like that, we may continue to do that. So before we got here, those same games, I went on my Facebook page, the Philip Jordan Sports Facebook page, and I put them up there. I'll see what you guys thought. What were your predictions uh, for, for the game? And here they are. Uh, like I said, Penn State, Ohio State, Tennessee at Alabama, Duke at Florida State, Ole Miss at Auburn, Mississippi State at Arkansas, South Carolina at Missouri, and Falcons at Buccaneers. Um, I also did one earlier on Eagles, Dolphins in the week. It was kind of mixed. So, Rhett Baxley, Ole Miss beats Auburn. All other home teams win. Brandon Eisman locks Penn State, Tennessee, FSU, Auburn, Arkansas, Missouri, and the Bucks. Uh, Michael likes Duke to upset Florida State. Uh, Todd Clark says all home teams win. Garrett Inman says Penn State, Tennessee, FSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, and Bucks. So that is your guys' thoughts on those games. So I may try to do that. Make sure we start doing that on the Facebook page. Um, and get your thoughts on what's going on with the games me and Matt are talking about on Fridays. Anyways, guys, going to get out of here. Be back on Monday, recap the weekend, high school, college. We'll see what the Falcons do in that Eagles-Dolphins game, too, as well. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Enjoy the football. Merry follow me on social media, P. Jordan SEC. Podcast available at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. And also remember, you can email me at sportsoffieldjordan at gmail.com. Once again, have a great weekend, everybody. Till next time. Bye-bye.